0: Welcome into the Pursuit of Manliness podcast, where we are vigorously equipping men to pursue biblical manliness. My name is Jarrett Samuels. I'm the host of the podcast. Men, as always, I'd like to begin by thanking you for checking out today's podcast episode. Now, before we get into the episode, I want to take a moment to introduce our newest sponsor, Loader Road Goods, out of Cushocton, Ohio. Chris Kent is the owner, the operator, the CEO of Loader Road Goods. He's a military veteran, but more importantly, He's a man of God, and he everything he has is hand-sewn, hand-stitched. Look at this journal cover. It has the Quiet Life logo on the front. This time of year, we're always looking to get a journal that we can commit to for the year. We can take notes from our Bible reading, our sermons we sit under, podcasts we listen to. Go visit Loader Road Goods, and when you do, put in the discount code, A Quiet Life. You'll save 15% off your order, A Quiet Life all capital letters, one word. When you go to his site, you're gonna realize he's got a lot more than journal covers. He's got earrings, purses, sheaths, hatchet covers, the whole, everything. Everything he makes there is hand-sewn, hand-stitched. It's about a two-week turnaround, so I want you to think ahead. Middle of February, there's a big date that we don't want to get wrong. Loaderrowgoods.com. So I think it was um, the first Quiet Life podcast of the year. I should have checked before I hit record, but here we are. Where I talked about, I wanted to uh, at least once a month share with you thoughts from a book. I wanted to read about, you know, extraordinary men who live these incredible lives, and just you know, kind of pull some takeaways from that. And you know, we, we did that with um, who was the first one? I can't, I can't even recall what it was. Doesn't matter. So <laughs> that's how this day is going. I know I have a couple that that are coming up here, uh, but this book has. Uh, it's jump the queue, if you will. So uh, I, the first one was Strenuous Life, Theodore Roosevelt. There's one on Andrew Carnegie that's coming up. Um, but the, the other day, and it might have been the Carnegie book, I don't remember. But the other day, I had finished a book, and majority of my books are in the office at where I serve at the church. But I have a bookshelf behind me that's a mixture of my books, my kids' books, and then whatever else lands on the shelf. And uh, I went over there, and I have some older books, books of like old-time radio, um Old time performers and stuff from old time. I like old time radio. I like the golden age of, of, of radio, um, some old movies, just music, particularly music. And um, I had come across, um, I don't know how I heard of it, but it's this book here. It is uh, Going My Own Way by Gary Crosby. And so as I pulled it out, I thought, you know what? I've kind of avoided reading that book. I, I should. Have a go at it, and then part of me thought it's kind of wasting your time. That doesn't really fit with the pursuit of maleness genre and motif of what we're we're doing here. But as I read the book, I thought, you know, the takeaways from this, and I'm going to try to do my best to kind of unpack it. I don't expect you guys to go purchase Going My Own Way by Gary Crosby. However, the takeaways from it. Could be some of the most important conversations we have had so far this year. And I say that as we're only 22 days into the year, but I work with a lot of guys who have some dad hurt. Their dads were physically abusive, uh, maybe sexually abusive, mentally abusive, you know, relationally abusive. Uh, maybe they were not there. Maybe, um, you know, there's just a lot of trust issues, a lot of brokenness. Um, they're, they're never going to get what they would like to receive from their father, what they believe they should receive, right? You kind of think, well, it shouldn't have been like this. I know a lot of guys, with a lot of dad hurt, you know, maybe you said, I'm never going to do what that guy did. Then you found it, figured out you're doing the same thing that guy did. And then, then it really upsets you. Or maybe some guys who just, you know, blew it in different ways or whatever. Um, it's very real and it's very raw. So when I talk about this book, uh, I don't know what really happened. I will say the book was written six years after Gary's father, Bing, had, had passed away. Maybe you've heard of Bing Crosby. Uh, I'm a big fan of his music and stuff, but um, if you haven't, it's, it's okay. It doesn't matter. Uh, but we, we'll just never really know what goes on behind someone's doors, do we? You can sit by the same people in church, be in your small group, whatever, and one day find out like perception was not reality. Some people are great at putting on an act. They can even convince their wife and kids, whoever, to put on an act in public. And it kind of gives this persona, this is who we are. And again, you find out it's not who they are. That's that's not at all who they are. Well, I don't know what it's like to be Gary Crosby and his brothers. He had three other brothers, so four total. I don't know what it's like to be them. I, I didn't have a famous father. I don't know if you did. I don't know what it's like to have, you know, bodyguards and chauffeurs and, you know, all these famous people come to your house for dinners. And I don't know what that's like. Uh, he, The way he explains it, I would not want to know what it's like. Um, nobody in this story, to my understanding, is still alive today. So there's no need for verification. Whether it's true or not, it doesn't matter. It was written. It was written. And so I, I want to start with this. Bing Crosby, massive performer back in the day. He had 79 movies. 55 of them went to the top. The guy lived like 70-some years. I don't know how many years it was, but that's that's a movie a year. Now, I know he didn't start until he's probably in his 20s or whatever, but so let's say a couple movies a year this guy's making, and 55 of them go to the top. He had 38 number one hit records. Not number one hit songs. Number one hit records. Um, The Beatles had 24. Elvis had 18. So he's got more than Beatles and Elvis. I'd say Beatles and Elvis are probably more recognizable, their name anyhow, than Bing Crosby. Um, he had more studio recordings than any of artist. artists I think it was 400 more than Frank Sinatra White Christmas the song just the song that you'll hear on the radio around Christmas time was written in 1942 here we are in 2024 so in 23 it made it to the top 10 again that's what 81 years since it came out uh, his world when he, during World War II he had a radio program that uh, I think it reached like 55 million listeners or 50 million listeners 50 million listeners, like that's hard to even comprehend. Third most popular uh, male film actor behind Clark Gable and John Wayne. There's some massive names on that list. So this kid grows up in their home and uh, I think it was the Lindbergh baby back in goodness, I don't even remember when, uh, so there was a plot to kidnap that kid. So there was a rumor that there was a plot to kidnap Gary Crosby, the firstborn son of Bing Crosby, the biggest celebrity at that time. So life is really different right away for these kids. And and, and they're very, uh, it's very controlled. Unfortunately, his dad is gone all the time. And it sounds like public dad is not the same as private dad. And there's some guys go, yep, I live that. His mom, mom evidently is an alcoholic. There's a lot of moving pieces to that. Um, One of the tensions that Gary has is they were told from the earliest of age that you're just a regular kid, nothing extraordinary about you. The problem is when you go to school, everybody knew who his dad was. And so he talked about being picked on and guys thinking he was weak and trying to fight him for different reasons and stuff. Now, I don't know what your upbringing was like, but for me, like when our school fighting was not irregular. I mean, it was, it happened. I don't remember anyone getting in fights because of who their parent was, but evidently he did. And so he kind of had to prove that, you know, He's not weak, and so you. But it sounds like he and his brothers continued that on for their whole life, constantly, literally fighting, tearing things up. It, it's it's unbelievable. Uh, but but he's, basically, he's writing in the early pages here. Perception was not reality. We put on they put on this idea that they were this perfect family and this perfect house and whatever, And maybe maybe you experienced that as well. Essentially, he's telling us that he and his father had absolutely no real relationship. Uh, His dad giving, again, this is Gary's perspective. His dad, you know, insulting him on his weight, insulting him on, you know, he's being dumb or whatever. And then he talks about, um, whippings and and punishments and and lickings however you want to call it um you know we would call it spankings the way he describes it spankings but there's a belt involved there's you know i think there was like a maybe a cane like he used part of the cane like we didn't have a cane but we had a wooden spoon or whatever you had you know um you know getting punished is one thing like I, i i got that when i was a kid but i deserved probably almost all of them there's probably a few in there that i didn't but overall yeah i probably did um, and there was always that element of fear that I didn't want to get caught or get punished because man, I hurt. Um, it's one thing to get that yourself. It's another thing to read about someone else getting it right. So that's uncomfortable. And when he describes certain things in detail, you're like, okay, that this is, this is not a very enjoyable book to read. And, um, again, he just keeps painting this picture that public father is not the same as private father. There was constantly... TV people and newspaper people and, and reporters or whatever kind of concocting their own reality. And they would come over and have these staged pictures or staged Christmas shows and they would create this public persona and they would kind of just drive it however they wanted to drive it. And I think that's important because I think, you know, as, as parents or as spouses or as fathers, you can feel this pressure that people have to. Get this idea of who you are, what you're doing, whatever. Maybe you feel that, maybe you don't. I don't know. Uh, But I felt that, like with my kids, being pastors' kids, I I told someone just yesterday, I don't expect my kids to be perfect at all. I do expect them to just be aware. Be aware that you're at church. Be aware that we're at a funeral. Be aware that you're at a wedding. Be aware that other people around. Be aware. Like you don't. If people want you to be perfect, well, that is never going to happen, and they're going to be disappointed. But if you can be aware of where you're at, okay. Well, it doesn't sound like that's going too well, uh, in their family. And maybe Bing just felt ridiculous pressure of having to be something, but he talks about almost as if a switch was flipped from once he, Bing, his father came in contact with the people. All of a sudden he was this other person. But meanwhile, he and his dad in a car, there was no conversation. There was no relationship. There was no engagement. If there was, it was essentially his father warning him, like, just sit in a corner, do what you're told. Don't, don't make a ruckus. Don't be seen. You know, the whole thing. And and, all, and this fear that I I don't want to disappoint him, but also I don't want to get whooped, right? And he talks about that. He just said I I, I was I knew I could never win their approval right away or ever. I should say I knew I could never win their approval. But what I was trying to avoid was the consequences of of not getting their approval. Uh, there's a lot about his dad getting on him about his weight and the things that went into that, and, and you know Gary you know basically sneaking food and then trying to drink. Stuff that would cause him you know, to have diarrhea, so he'd lose weight. And if he didn't have a certain weight at a certain age, then he would get whooped because of that and stuff. Like That's hard to, re- that's hard to read. Again, I, it's not for me to determine whether that happened or not. He wrote it. And he, again, he wrote it after his father had passed away, but he wrote it. And again, these are scars that followed him, for uh, seemingly for the rest of his life. His, his mother passes away when she's 43 years old uh, of cancer, ovarian cancer. And, uh, I, it, it's, it's a really unique thing here because there's four boys, but no real relationship with their father. The father owns a, uh, a ranch and he has to go work there. So you say, well, the dad's trying to teach him work ethic and toughing him up and all this stuff. Being according to Gary, what Gary wrote did not know how to be a father. The interesting thing is for a lot of you guys, you felt the exact same way. I, I felt that way about being married. I really didn't know what you were supposed to do when you're married, except stay married. And the only way you stay married was continue to come back to the same place every day. But then you find out there's so much more to it than that. There's so many intricate details. And same way with the the parenting, and I don't want to mess my kids up, and I don't want to scar them, whatever. And here we are, we got this father and these kids, and he doesn't know how to be a dad. The problem is... I don't know if he's seeking any help on being a dad because you have to give the perception everything is good, everything is fine. Meanwhile, in the course of all this, this is where it gets really convoluted. Gary essentially becomes an alcoholic. I mean, he tells story after story after story, I mean, pages dedicated to like being an alcoholic from college to working, to be in the military, whatever, no matter where he's at, the stories are just recklessness. This is where it gets a little hazy because I don't know how well of a recollection most alcoholics have. Because there are stories where he will say, I didn't know that until they told me that. And he does some incredibly terrible things when he is drinking. In- incredibly terrible things. I don't even want to get into what he did. At some point he gets drafted into two years of military service and he goes back to show business. Now all the while he hates the name Crosby and he hates anything to do with his father. Yet if he's really honest and at moments he gets a little honest, if it wasn't for his dad, he wouldn't have had the agent. He wouldn't have the opportunities. He wouldn't have the summer show. He wouldn't have the things he had. But anytime the name is brought up, he has disdain for it. And so eventually this alcoholism creates problem after problem after problem that his last name can't cover for anymore. And so he hates this last name. He hates any association with it. He hates anytime anyone asks him, Hey, are you related to, or do you know, or how's your father? Everything about that. Sometimes it would even cause him to buck up or he's going to fight somebody eventually Bing is going to marry another woman named Catherine, uh, a, a number of years later, five years later, and they end up having three children. And Gary will admit, I think my father was different with those three kids than he was with us. Maybe it's because he had a second chance. Maybe he had time to, you know, kind of reflect on whatever, you know, I, I, I don't know, but Bing, or forgive me, Gary is uh, not grace-filled at all. And, and whether he should be or not, I don't know. But again, he—he'll be honest. It seems that time and time again, uh, he has just made an utter mess of things. And one of the things I, I want to read some here to you. But one of the things he talks about here is um, being finally admitting that maybe he didn't have it all together. I think this is important for dads. You hear me, dad? You guys hear me? I think this is important for us to know. And I've shared a little bit that I've kind of had to do this with my own kids. Um, you guys, fathers, you listening? He says, I guess I didn't do very well uh, bringing up my boys. I think I failed them by giving them too much work and discipline, too much money, and too little time and attention. I did my best, so did their mother. I'm getting another chance with Tex. Uh, I guess that was his youngest son for the second wife. I think maybe I did too much talking while they did too little. It seems that maybe we got out of the habit of communicating. You gotta get kids started talking and keep them at it. I never had much success talking with mine. Uh, you know, if you find out like Bing's upbringing, it's it's really different too. With his father being more quiet and quirky, and his mother, you know, kind of laying down the law, or whatever. Um, as I said in the beginning, and this is why I want to have this conversation. You never truly know what goes on behind someone's doors, and you can fake it, and and you can try to give off a persona, or you can pro- try to project something, but it is what it is, okay. And and the law of cultivation is if you don't cultivate something. You'll have no harvest when you're ready to pull something from that. And so you do need to talk. My kids are not always wrong. I have three of them. They're not always wrong. Sometimes my perception is not reality. Sometimes my feelings, thoughts, or emotions got in the way, and it's not true. I've said before, you can walk around your house, dads, and say, This is my house, that's my chair, that's my refrigerator, that's my microwave. Those are my doors, I'll take them off the hinges. Those are my, you can do that. But at some point they're going to move out of the house. And you do not get to determine how you are remembered. Good and bad. You do not get to determine how you're remembered. There are times I am probably getting too much credit for my kids for something that happened. I think, oh, it wasn't me. Or, boy, grace of God. Or, it's always grace of God. But, boy, that was your mom or whatever. And I'm probably not getting enough blame for things at times, too. You know, one of the things my daughter had said or told her mom, like, kind of these people-pleasing tendencies. And I'm like, yep. Man, I, when she was, she was our oldest, I was hard on her. I look at my youngest now and go, we're not... We're not asking a a, a fourth of what we thought she should be doing at that age, or that age, or that you know. And and I think the oldest kind of has it harder. But you know what? It's tough. you up? You're okay. Gary was the oldest. That was that was hard for him. And so you don't get to determine how you are remembered. These stories that Gary's telling, and I, I think it's important, as I said in the beginning, it could be one of the most important conversations we've had so far this year. You say, Jared, I don't care about Gary Crosby. I don't care about Ben Crosby. Right. Do you care about a father-son relationship? And are there things we can see from their life that you, can you look through a lens and say, mm, I see some similarities there? That whether he's telling the truth or not, it doesn't matter that he chose to remember it that way. Now, if your kid chooses to remember something that's totally inaccurate, you, you don't have to die on the hill and try to change that. Yeah, that's, that's fine. But being in mid there, I I guess, you know, maybe I, I I I talked too much. I was too hard of a disciplinarian. You know, I, I think it's okay to tell your kids that. I think it's okay to say, I'm sorry, looking back, I would have done it different. I'm I'm sorry that I did that or said that. The reason why I was trying to think that way, the reason why I was trying to act that way, I've told my own kids that the reason why was this. And I'm not getting run over as a doormat. Hear me out. I'm telling them, listen, I know that that didn't make any sense or that wasn't fun or that seemed like I was doing this. Here's why. or Here's what we're trying to think about ahead of time. So we'll never know what reality was and you'll never know either. And reading this book, again, I don't expect many of you to do that, but reading the book, it just stirred up this really strong feeling of, of being uncomfortable. I'm a former kid, and I'm a parent, and I can see both sides of this thing. someday, hopefully, I'm a, a an in-law. Right now, this is where I'm at, as a former kid and a parent. And when I look, I look at that again. The first thing I think of is, you do not get to de- re- determine how you are remembered. But the other thing I kept thinking of as I got further into the book and as Gary told more and more stories about you know being drunk and abusing people and the fights and it was exhausting. Why do people who are drunk think you want to hear all their stories? I don't want to hear all the stuff. Maybe it sells books. This book was written in 1983. Here it is, 2024. Was that 40 years later? I'm reading the book, 41 years later. I, I don't want to hear it. Gary had since passed away. Um, I don't remember what year, but none of Bing's kids did very well. Actually, most of them didn't work at all and, uh, just collected money from him. But, uh, I, I know when, when, uh, Gary eventually gets sober, his father is the one to pay for it. But again, there's such this volatile relationship there. I know there's a lot of guys who have this I thought about this verse often as I read this book Hebrews chapter 12 verse 15 see to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble that by it many become defiled there's a lot of hurt people from this book so to try to figure out is this thing true or not I went and did some digging there's people that were really close to these people and no, no, a lot of them say no. Now, whether they're trying to cover up for the famous father or not, I don't know. But again, the guy had passed on. But his brothers, I can't remember which one said, "Yeah, it wasn't good." A couple others were like, I don't know. That's his story. There's a really odd forward in here where he basically writes to his brothers how he loves them, and uh, you know, if you guys want, we can get together and you know, fight again or something like that. Yeah, I hope you like this book. If you don't, when and where's the fight? Question mark. What in the world? Another thing I think about when I read this book is some people never grow up. Some people always stay in that frame of mind of when and where is the fight. That's that's how you want to live your life. That's what they would rather carve out they would rather carve out a life where instead of handling things or instead of having like a mature conversation or dealing with something in an appropriate manner, when and where is the fight. That's what you want to do. That's what cost him and his brothers to uh, to break up as as a music group. There's something else I found interesting here. When it came to the money that the father was leaving the kids, they could not touch the money until they were 65 years old. It was called a blind trust. and If there was any contention about it, they would be automatically and immediately removed from it. There's only one kid who actually made it to 65 years old from Bing's four kids. And that was uh, Philip. He died of a heart attack at 69 years old. Gary, the guy that wrote the book, died of lung cancer uh, at age 62. At age 51 and age 56, two of Bing's boys committed suicide. Lindsay at 51, Dennis at 56. I say that because clearly something was going on there. Something not good. These guys never did really work. They never really did seem to recover from whatever it was. I am a firm believer, and I don't know everybody's story, But I am a firm believer at some point, you have to own your story. At some point, you have to say, that is not who I am. I do not live at that address no more. I'm not going to live like that no more. I'm not going to allow that situation. I'm not going to allow those circumstances to dictate how I live, how I respond, how I treat people, whatever. That did not happen here. That, that, That did not happen here. And so when I look for takeaways from this, I want you to consider what is your relationship like with your kids if you have them? What is your relationship like? So how do you know if it's good or not? Because if you'd asked these kids when they were that age, they probably said it was good out of fear that they would have gotten in trouble. If you'd asked Bing how it was, and certainly in public, he would have said it's fantastic. But the truth was it wasn't. Can you create an environment or create an opportunity where your kids are able to tell you the truth, even if it's truth that you don't necessarily want to hear, but it's better that you hear it so that you don't get to this place years later to find out, man, they had no respect for me at all. So what's your relationship like? And have you created an environment? You say, well, I love them. They know I love them. Do they really? Because I think there's a lot more kids on this planet who don't really know or don't really believe it. Or you say it but you don't show it. I, I again I just God has provided me an opportunity to do children's ministry for a very long time, to work in a public school for a while, to work with guys now, and I have seen a ton of scars in people's lives. A ton. So brother, dad, grandpa, whatever your title is, just consider it honestly without, without, without getting your feelings hurt. There are too many men who are all up in their feelings. Brother, it's not about your feelings. The second thing is, what about consequences? What about punishment? Do you ghost them? Do you whoop them? Do you get passive aggressive with them? Do you call them names? I do. There are consequences to actions. No question about it. But again, you got to determine, does it fit? If everything is a big deal, then nothing's a big deal. If you blow up over everything... Then at some point, they're going to give you lip service or they're going to look at you and internally they're thinking, how much longer do I got to put up with this nut job until this is over? Do you try to manipulate them? Do you put conditions on the relationship so they act a certain way, behave a certain way? That ain't going to work. You know it as well as I do, but it's the only tool you have. So you go back to the same crappy toolbox every time. You pull out the same source of crappy tools and you wonder why this is going on. And again, you do not get to determine how 10, 15, 20 years down the road is going to go but you're the loudest, oldest male in the house at this point, so you think you can get away with that. Just think about it. Just think about it. There needs to be consequences. There needs to be, I'm going to use the term punishment. There needs to be punishment. What that looks like, I don't know. I don't know what that should look like, but you're trying to you know, correct a human to eventually become a responsible, functioning, grown-up in a world. But as I read this book, if this is what's true, how the punishment was going, you'd say, that's out of bounds. The third thing is apologize. Be the dad and apologize. I've had to do that to my kids. I've done it to my wife. I, it won't be the last time. It is an ongoing thing. Apologize. Maybe it's been 25 years and you say, Phew, I realize, man. Apologize. I'm telling you what, your, your apology to them will probably mean far more than any element of instruction you've attempted to give for their first 18 years of their life. Well, I'm trying to teach them that they need to apologize when you need to apologize. And if you don't think you need to apologize, you are delusional. There are no infallible parents out there. We have made plenty of mistakes. And if we get around each other and we get honest, we're like, yep, yep, yep. And most of the time, the, it's kind of a joke, but the most of the time is it's the oldest. If you're the oldest, you'll be okay. I was the oldest. You'll be okay. But when the opportunity, opportunity presents itself, apologize. doesn't seem like there was ever any apology here in this book, at least not written if it was. Fourth one is you want to come to a place of understanding. If your kids are grown, they got their own kids, they got their own thing going on, whatever, come to a place of understanding. They may be doing what you did. They may not be doing what you did. That's going to be okay. Never miss the human element to all this. You say, well, these are my kids. That's a person. That's a human created in the image of God. And if we we try to have a home in such a way that everyone lives in fear, brother, there's something going on in your life that you're not dealing with. If Everyone in your house is living in fear. You're a small person if that's what you're going to do. If you want everyone in your house to live in fear... So they got to cower at your existence. Or when you come home, everyone has to tighten up just a little bit. I don't want to have a house like that. I don't want to be a person like that. And again, you can do that for a period of time. And some men are. And they're coming to find out the kids want nothing to do with it. They are coming to find out. They don't want anything to do with it. So whatever side of the fence you're on here, maybe you're in the position of a father, maybe in the position of a son, maybe you're both, doesn't matter. Don't miss the human elements of this. Whether what was written in this book is true or not, I'll never know. Again, I've read up on some blogs and some things that people had said, but again, that's 20, 30 years ago, whatever, and they, you know, mixed reviews on this. There was another book that was written about this time. I think it was called Mommy Dearest, a girl that was raised by Joan Crawford. I don't know if it was her daughter or not. I think it was her daughter or adoptive daughter. I guess it was a terrible, terrible book. So some people think this was written in you know, comparison to something like that, the same year, uh, Bing's second wife wrote a a book called My Life with Bing. Going My Own Way is a play on words because Bing had a movie called Going My Way where he is Father O'Malley. He's a priest in this home, in this convent, whatever, working with these young troubled boys. And Gary says, why could my dad not be like that with us? So it's hard to know what reality is in the book. It's hard to know what reality is in your house, but there is a reality and there is a truth. So ask yourself, how are the relationships in my house? How are the relationships with my kids, grandkids? I, whatever, whatever you got. I don't know. Neighbors, whatever. I don't know what you got. How are the consequences? Are they fair? Are they accurate? Is it just what I know? Am I reacting? Is there too much emotion in it? I don't know if there is. You need to temper that. You need to figure out what to do. And then it moves me to, you need to apologize. We all need to do it. And then pray that the Lord helps you come to a place of understanding. That I never miss the human element in this. I'm raising humans that daughter, that son, that whatever, those are humans. God created that person. He's given you that person. And so to complain about them or to make fun of them or to vent about them, that's sinful. And we need to repent of that. So men, I appreciate you guys watching this again. I don't expect you to run out and get going my own way by Gary Crosby. But, uh, when I read that book, uh, when I read this book, it just brought up so much, whether it was myself or you guys, it brought up so much and it was unsettling at times and uncomfortable to read. And again, I would go back and forth trying to gauge is this true or not. It doesn't matter. There is a reality somewhere. God knows what it is and we're going to be accountable for it. Amen. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. Let's keep pursuing biblical manliness.